morning. It's good to be here again with you. Uh, it's a couple months ago that I was here, um, and it had been a couple of years before that I was here, but it's always a joy to be here uh, and see familiar faces. Uh, this morning, we are considering um, quite possibly some of the most loving, tender words of God written in the Bible. Um, they are words of invitation, uh, a call, and they're words that inspire a certain way of being in the world, a certain way of relating to God. So here, God's word to you, Isaiah 55, I'm going to be reading just verses 1 through 9. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for all the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is God's word. Pray with me. Father, we ask that you would bless our time together as we consider this, that your spirit would move our eyes and hearts uh, to hear and ears to hear and see you. And I pray that you would speak uh, to all of us, wherever we may be this morning, whether we're happy, sad, depressed, in want, or overwhelmed with your goodness. God, what is com common among us is our need of your grace and mercy, and so we pray that we receive that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I have a friend who, whose mother is a force feeder. I don't know if you know or have ever met a force feeder, but they are people who, when you enter their home, they insist that you eat something. And I remember as a young college student visiting this home for the first time and, um, you know, introduced myself and my friend's mother said, Michael, would you like something to eat? And, uh, you know, no, thank you. I'm, I'm good. Are you sure? You know, I can make some spaghetti and meatballs or this or that. I don't remember exactly what she said. But no, that's okay. Uh, that's very kind of you, but no, thank you. And that's how the conversation went every single time. Every time I would go over, she would offer to feed me. And, uh, you know, eventually, um, I learned something that I, I've uh, held true uh, um, or 
that I think is true, uh, and that is, you know, when you, when you meet a force feeder, they're a force feeder because they know what they offer is good. They know that their food is desirable, and so they want to bless you. And eventually I would with this friend's mom, and even to this day I enjoy her food, and it's really remarkable every time I leave satisfied. But I share this story with you to really uncover a condition of the human heart, and that is our reluctance to receive. Are you reluctant to receive? You know, I don't know why it was that day when I entered that home why I said no. I was an 18-year-old kid. Of course I was hungry. <laughs> but I didn't want to receive. I didn't want to put her out, or I didn't want to inconvenience her but I was reluctant. As I said, Isaiah records some of the most tender words of God, words of invitation and attentiveness, words of care and love, words that say, come to me and eat. Come to me and drink. Come to me and I will satisfy you. This invitation is extended to you and me this morning to come to God by faith in Jesus to receive that we might be satisfied. But who exactly does he invite into his presence? Well, people who are thirsty, people who have no money, people who lack the resources to thrive. Are you tired? Are you overwhelmed with anxiety? Is your life uncertain? Is there addiction in your life? You're thirsty. I certainly am. And this is who God invites, people who live with unmet longings and people who are in need. He says, come, everyone who thirsts, come. But why are we so reluctant? You know, maybe we are ambivalent. Maybe we thirst, but we don't thirst enough to make a change, to actually receive from God. Maybe you're settled into your rhythm of life and you are not, though you're not fully satisfied, you are satisfied enough. Does that sound familiar? It does to me. I'm just ambivalent oftentimes. Why are we hesitant? Because it's very clear what God offers here. Why are we ambivalent. Well, there's many reasons. Maybe we struggle to believe and trust God is able to do what he offers. Maybe we struggle with faith and have questions about who he is. Maybe it's trust. We don't trust God to really do what he says and to put ourselves in that vulnerable place is scary. But we are often so ambivalent. And oftentimes what happens as we think about this ambivalence one of the main reasons we give, which is often the case, is that the reason we're hesitant is because our ego is out of balance. It's pride and arrogance has blinded us. And what we need to do is humble ourselves and see our true need. And that is true, that maybe is you. That's oftentimes me. My ego is such that I don't really think I need to be in need. I don't really need to receive. But maybe that's not you this morning. Maybe you are someone who's very aware how thirsty you are. You're very aware of how much you are in need. And it's not that you oppose God's presence, but rather you don't see yourself as worthy to receive. 
You don't prioritize your own needs. You are someone that understands, again, how thirsty you are. You're deeply thirsty, but so is everyone else. And God prioritizes other people other than you because, well, you're not that important. He doesn't really see you. This is addressed in our text indirectly, but nonetheless, in verse 1, come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? Instead of receiving freely, we think we have to offer God something to get his attention. We have to give ourselves, give him something in order to really have that satisfied experience. And so we don't go and uh, receive, but rather we bring our money. We bring something to the table. And we say, it to, say to God, we are doing this because I'm not worthy. I need to give you something. Have you ever met someone who can freely receive? It's frustrating. You know, you're out to dinner and you offer, hey, can I pay for your meal? And right away they say, sure. Those people drive me crazy, at least, because there's supposed to be a back and forth. <laughs> there's supposed to be an exchange of words where you say, no, I got it, or let's split it. It's almost arrogant for someone to say, yes, receive. I'll give, and I'll receive. What we oftentimes prefer is not instead of buying wine and milk with no money, like God invites us to do, we insist on spending money on something that we don't actually want and that which does not satisfy. Why? Because the needs of others are more important than ours, and we are someone who deserves to pay and deserves second best. And if that's true of you, what does God say to you? He says, come. Come without money. You're worthy of my provision. You're worthy to be satisfied. You're worthy not to live in lack. You're worthy to acknowledge your needs and to receive from God. How can anyone, though, be worthy of such things? Verse 3, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promise to David. This is the gospel. Jesus came into the world to make us worthy, not because of us, but because of him. And so often we are reluctant to receive this identity as worthy, but this is the gospel, that God has made you worthy to receive, that you're worthy to be satisfied and to not be in lack. Are you reluctant to receive from God? Go and stop paying the price for a lesser joy, fullness, and wholeness, and know that God loves you because he's created you. He's given you Jesus, and he wants to give you this satisfaction. Was this not Jesus' burden while he was on earth? Convincing the widower, the widow, the broken, that they are worthy to receive because that's what Jesus does to people. He makes them worthy. Sinners like you and I. He says, come and receive. But it's not that simple, is it? It's not that simple to let go of our patterns of living and thinking that hurt us. And the reason is because, in a strange way, our patterns of living and thinking give us a sense of control. There are ways of being. 
And though they're not fully satisfying us, if we give ourselves to them, we are in the driver's seat. And we don't have to be indebted to anyone. We are in control of the relationship. And so what are we to do? Verse 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. What are we to do? It says we are to turn. And really the better word there is return. We return to the Lord while he is near. And we forsake our ways and return to God that we might receive. And here's the thing. You know, Christianity is not simply about intellectual sin, like believing that God's near and believing he's good, believing that he can satisfy. Though it is that, it's much more. It's actually doing something, not to earn anything, but to actually change our way of being to actually receive from him. They both go hand in hand. If you are unsatisfied this morning, if you need to receive from God, it's not enough to believe that God can provide that satisfaction. We actually have to return to God. And it involves action. It involves prayer. It involves movement. There's a prayer that I love that really welcomes this sort of way of being because it's a prayer where we pray that we welcome the moment that we are in right now because it is this moment that we can return to God, that we can let go and receive. The prayer goes like this, welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me in this moment because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for security. I let go of my desire for approval. I let go of my desire for control. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. And I open to the love and presence of God and the healing action and grace within. And that act of welcoming this moment is an action where we recognize the Lord is near, that he's here, that we can let go of the life that we think we ought to be living. We can let go of that need of security. We can let go of whatever it is that's preventing us the presence and love of God. You only have this moment. You don't, you're not guaranteed the future and the past is the past. You have this moment and it's right now that we can return. Do you want to be satisfied? Well, the invitation is return, not later, but now, because the Lord is near. And so as we turn to him, how will he satisfy you? What will it look like? What will it feel like? Well, this is what Isaiah says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How will God fill you and satisfy you? Well, he will do it in a way that you probably wouldn't do for yourself. He is not going to satisfy you with money, with substances, with sex, with power, or anything that, he will willing, that we willingly pay for that is costly. Although, also, he is also going to satisfy you by saying your needs don't matter. He won't satisfy you by saying your needs don't matter. 
and you should settle for second best. No, he he satisfies us by inviting us to return over and over and over again. And that experience is interacting with a God whose thoughts and ways are different than ours. And so the Christian life is really one of imagination. What could life really look like when you are satisfied in Christ, where you return and you let go and you say, God, give me the grace to let go of this that I might receive from you, might embed myself in your word and worship and receive this satisfaction. This life of imagination is where we can begin to imagine life where we truly let go of these things and return to the Lord over and over and over. And so the question for all of us as we close is, are you worn out? What patterns of living or thinking wear you out? What exhausts you? Is it your work? Is it relationships? Is it self-loathing? Why are you exhausted? Can you, by God's grace, ask him to enter into those parts and to bring you healing that he might satisfy you? This is our God. He wants to satisfy you with himself that you might live. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.